0: welcome to the family with tevin Pittman,
1: alex brant bernard rasmussen co-host
2: crunchy Catherine,
0: andy brant bernard and gassy craig gas
3: i guess <laughs> i don't know <laughs> classy and gassy on the same show crunchy, crunchy.
1: crunchy
2: and gassy,
3: crunchy and gassy. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a really good morning
4: zoo show i
1: was gonna say this the children's show on youtube yeah mm-hmm.
4: michael bryant brad sean bryant what's the latest
0: Well, it's another year. What's new for 2023 at Walzer? Well, we're going back in time in a way. You bought a DeLorean franchise. Not exactly.
5: Mm. The market's returning to normal. New inventories are getting back to pre-pandemic levels. And used car prices are returning to normal.
2: So what's a 1995 Camry worth?
5: Deep sympathy. Mm. Mike, have you considered something newer?
2: Well, I would if it came with a 10-year, 150,000-mile powertrain warranty. Hey, was that convincing? As if I
0: knew what a powertrain was?
5: No. It's major medical coverage for your car, and it's free with every new car and most used cars at Walzer.
0: I hope you're also keeping your return and exchange program. Of course, people really like that because it means you can't make a
5: mistake. Interestingly, though, we sold 45,000 cars last year and we took back less than 100.
0: Amazing upfront pricing, a 350,000 mile warranty, a return and exchange policy. It's no wonder you sold forty-five thousand cars last year. To learn more, go to Walzer.com. Can I add something? No. So, Craig, you got to be out by noon. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Hey, me too. All right, I wanted to make sure, and Alex too. Um, do you know Fritz Coleman at all, Craig? I know that name. Why do I know that name? Because he. I, I want to know if you want to help interview him, or you just want to interview him yourself. Media Path uh, Podcast. Discussion, uh, current cultural events and recommendations from uh, from the host, whatever that means. Uh, he's got a Tubi special coming up. He looks very, very... Oh, it says here, for nearly four decades, Los Angelinos came to know and love Fritz Coleman through his gig as the weather reporter on KNBC. Okay. And did years, uh, years of er- early years of stand-up comedy. Oh. So you would know who he is. So.
6: Oh, he was a stand-up comedian. So he'd probably have some great stories about being at the comedy store with legends.
0: Like Craig Gaff. He was yeah. in Buffalo, New York for a while.
6: <laughs> Fritz Coleman? Yeah. And I was just, I uh, I was just watching the uh, Comedy Store special, and Carla Beau has this incredible story about being there when Sam, uh, he was in the car behind Sam when the accident right. happened, and he yep. holds Sam in his arms, and his description of, of Sam looking up in the skies and and saying I'm I'm not ready. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And and Carl said, "You're okay, man. You're okay." And he realized that Sam wasn't talking to him. And at one yep. moment, Sam says, "Oh." Okay.
0: Jesus, oh. that's eerie.
6: Okay. And then he just he just slumps and he said I could feel his energy pass through me. Yeah, oh man. <laughs> it's a crazy story. And Carl was I don't... Do you know the kind of relationship they had, that guy, Carl and Sam Kennison Did you hear what he found out after Sam passed away? No. Carl finds out a couple years later. Uh, first of all, Carl and Sam meet, I mentioned the other day, they meet at the same open mic. They both signed up for open mic night on the same night. Wow. They're both starting for yep. the first time on the same night. And they take a liking to each other and they become quick friends. And they make a pact. If one of us makes it, we're taking the other one with them. And Sam stuck to his word and brought Carl along for all these shows that built up into theaters and then arenas. And it was like this rock star lifestyle with drugs and craziness and crazy women. And Carl falls in love with a woman and he has this toxic relationship with her. He gets married and they have a kid and then... And then it all comes to a sudden stop when when Sam gets in the accident and he dies in Carl's arms. And Carl starts going through a divorce and his wife is squeezing him for child support payments. And he he just breaks down and, and calls her and says, listen, I know you're mad at me. I know you hate me, but I really need you to help me. Because these payments are set at a level where I was working in arenas and I can't even get into a club. Like I, I like I'm begging you as a human being, please go easy on me. And his ex started crying, and she said, "I'm sorry." And he said, "Why are you sorry?" And she said, "She's not yours."
2: Oh, oh she's. Hello.
6: Oh. And then she pa, she pauses <laughs> wow. and says, no. "She's <sighs> she's Sam's." Oh, and my he God. finds out <laughs> after his best friend passes away. That his best friend was not only having an affair with his wife, but the girl that he was raising as his own was actually Sam's daughter, which I heard rumors about at the comedy store. Comedians, oh, really? Comedians talked about When I first got to the comedy store in the late 90s, comedians were like, oh man, have you seen Carl's Daughter? man, she doesn't even look like Carl. Oh, she looks no, like dear. Sam. And when, no. I, when I mentioned that to Carl uh, in the year that I spent with him while he was sick, <clears> he <throat> said, oh my God. He goes, Sam would make jokes about it in oh. front of all the comedians. Did Sam oh. know it was Sam's? Uh, he absolutely... He f- first have. of all, okay. this is what he would do. Sam, in front of everybody, would go, hey guys, you, you know that looks like my kid. That's my kid. Oh! Oh!
0: <laughs> oh, and then,
6: okay. and then he would pull Carl into another room, and Carl said he would look me in the eye and go, "Hey, bro, you know I'm just messing with you, right? Oh. You know, you, know, you oh. know, look at me. You know
7: I'm gonna me. need all oh. my money back. What? You, guys, you know I. He you
6: goes, know, so you know I, I would never do that to you, right? You know I would never do that to you. And Sam knew that there was at least a chance, right, that that was his kid. So, oh. yikes. Yeah, yeah, it's Not crazy, a good guy. Yeah, and then, and then Carl gets put in this weird position. Where years later his daughter turns eighteen, so she goes looking for Carl and she shows up at one of his gigs and spends oh. a spends a weekend with him. And at the end of the weekend she says, you know, you are not at all like what my mom says you are. You're really nice and and <laughs> and, 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 oh and and people clearly love you. Um c- can I ask you like cuz my mom won't tell me what my real dad was like can you tell me what he was like and carl has to put aside all oh, of oh, those all yeah. these feelings yeah. to give this girl what she rightfully deserves to know about her wow. biological dad yeah it's it's crazy what carl went through man yeah, it, it was um it was it was nuts yeah. um i wonder if uh, if, I mean, I don't even know if you're up for it, but if I could – I do have a, an amazing video of Carl describing the car crash um, that uh, I'd like to send to you. I don't know if you want to play it, but um, but it's like a two-and-a-half-minute clip of Carl. Send it to Andy. Yeah? Okay.
3: Yeah. Um, TomBernardPodcast at gmail.com.
2: It is not a secret email, so that's okay. It's <laughs> no, that's it our <laughs> Tom, no, it is Tom not. Secret email.
6: Tom. Bernard Podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Yep. Okay. All right. I am going to do that. While you're sending I that, I can read know.
3: some of these uh, listener feedbacks we've been getting. Okay. Oh, I love that. Okay. Great idea. Uh, Tevin's number one fan. Yes. <gasps> Derek <gasps> Dehart. Uh-huh. Derek DeHart, there we go. Hello Hi. everyone, and Tevin, what the deal? Yep.
7: yep. What mm-hmm.
2: the deal. There you yeah.
7: go. My man, dear. uneducated. Kevin, my man. Say uneducated, uneducated. What is the deal? Yeah, what, what is the deal? Well, the, the deal is that I learned I don't know a lot about a lot this week. <laughs> well, <laughs> I as you get shows.
3: older,
2: Finally as happens. you get older, that happens.
3: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. Corey younger, Brown, you Think you know everything? Corey Brown uh, was so you got um, Sid Arthon, right, Mom? Yes. And was it because of Corey's suggestion? Probably. <laughs> it was someone's <laughs> suggestion, right? Yeah. Then it was Corey's, yes. So there you go, okay. Corey. You uh you did in fact get Sid hearth on the show. Yay. Thank, Thank you. you. Mm-hmm. Thank
2: you. People yeah, like Lost to have, Episodes. Uh, yeah, we had to had um Art Sears track him down. It was nice that yeah. Art went Art out of his way to job. find yeah. him. And he was a good guest. <laughs> yeah, great guest.
3: Uh, lost Episodes. We have one on the docket for Friday already. Um I don't know if we're gonna like surprise people with it or not. Surprise. I don't know. I'm just oh, I'll, I'll, we
2: to have teasers. Yes,
3: I'll assume it's a surprise for now. I don't know, I could say this. The guest whose first show ever we're going to play on Friday is on Wikifeet.
2: I don't know what oh, that is. Oh, I know who that, that is.
3: Yep. Gibberish. you know what? No. On what? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's
2: not just me. feet.
3: What's Wiki feet? It's like you like a have talked
2: f- you talk foot Yeah, I know. He doesn't he know
7: anything. It's but. a
2: foot... <laughs> It's a foot fetish site. Yep. Oh, why do, right, you
7: why, did, why yeah, do you know what WikiFeed is? Because <laughs> somebody told us about it. That.
3: The guest talks about it all oh, the time. Yes, she, thinks she, gets all her her money. she thinks it's funny that she's on there.
2: <laughs> that's where she gets all her money. Yep. It's she's residuals.
3: Rich. <laughs> uh, Chris wants to know if there's a number to call in live. I think finally we just added it to Twitter and Facebook. But yes, uh nine five two six hundred two five seven five
2: that's our would number? would
3: be
0: the number, yes.
2: Okay, I better update my yeah,
0: contacts. Yeah, well, 75 like you're calling in call?
2: here all the time, Mom. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I call in all the time. Constant. Pretend I'm someone else.
0: Yeah. You fall for it. By the way, that's the same call-in number for the morning show as well. Yes. It's the same studio, same call-in mm-hmm. number, same Easy, everything. Peasy. Same equipment everything. Okay, I don't everything. have any
2: of those numbers.
3: Trevor says that, Tevin, uh, your brain must be broken because you're a Vikings fan, but you
7: grew up in Wisconsin. You know what, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the shadow, but I would say I was raised right by being raised oh. right. Here we go.
0: Uh
7: oh.
3: I no. Yeah. I haven't seen your email yet. Did you embed the video in it, or is it a link to a video? Uh, I embedded the video in it. Also, it might take a
6: while. And mm-hmm. it also said that it was, um, it said it, it might be too large. Do you want to send the file? Oh, yeah. Uh, Naturally. Do you think the audio quality might be good if I just put this up to the mic?
2: Yes. It would We've probably be acceptable.
3: Sure.
6: Okay. Let me try this. This is Carl LeBeau describing the car accident that he witnessed of his best friend and um, and what transpired as he got out of the car to help him not realizing that he was dying.
8: Laughlin, Nevada. And I remember we had a van and his sports car. And he was driving with Malika, his wife. And it was a two-lane highway on the road to Laughlin. And the others followed in a van. And the kid tried to go around the 18-wheeler and thought he could make it. And then our vans stomped the brakes, and then I heard, like, two trains hit. That's what it sounded like. And in slow motion, I fell into the floorboard of a skidding van that had stomped its brakes and when i got out of the right side of this van and went toward the car i saw that the hood of the sports car was crushed up and there was smoke come up in the air and then there was a pickup truck with three indentations in the window where the three boys that were in that truck had smashed their heads against the glass oh. and left the Ooh. marks and when i got to the car Sam's body was laying across the middle. And that's when I noticed that just the steering column was there. He had taken out the steering wheel with his chest, and he had hit into the windshield. So he had a little blood on his forehead, a little blood out of his nose. And he was just taking deep breaths. And I said, don't move, buddy, don't move. And then he forced himself out of the car and landed on me, and I fell to protect him. And I was on my butt. And he was laid across my arms, and he was looking up, and he started talking to whoever was there that he saw. And he was going, I don't want to die. I don't want to die now. And I, and I, I said, you're not going to die, man. I got you. And then it dawned on me that he wasn't there, that he was seeing somebody. He goes, I don't want to die now. But why now? Oh. Ooh, I just got the heat, He just took off, and I his eyes shut, and I felt him go right to my face. But it wasn't until someone came up and and shook me and said, "How's he doing?" And then I realized that he's gone. He's gone. And after that, then time turned back in the time. It was normal. The car noises, everything. Quit. And and I laid him down, and just as I did, the ambulance pulled up. And I went around the car to get his wife, and she woke up at that point screaming, he's gone, isn't he? He's gone. She wouldn't even wait for any of that stuff. I think in that moment, even though I haven't admitted it in many years, I think I forgave him of all the things he did to me. You know, I found out he fathered my daughter after he was dead. So he was having an affair behind my back with my wife. I knew he was doing it with other people, but I didn't think he was going to fuck me over and he did. Not only did he fuck me over, he fucked my ex-wife over. Because I'm sure he had promises with her. And he didn't keep them. And he has a little girl out there in the world that he never got to know. He lost all that because of drugs and booze and whatever else was in his head. I'm lucky I got here. I got to learn how to forgive myself of all things. I got to make things right. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing story. Just 40 bucks. It's an amazing story. It's forty bucks. That's, that's forty bucks. Just this that deep, is,
7: emotional, wow. gut-wrenching story. <laughs> yeah, forty dollars. That'll be 40, forty bucks. What an amazing story. Aww. That'll be forty dollars, <laughs> So yes.
3: yes. Do you think it would be glassless to make a bit out of what you think Sam heard? <laughs> you no,
7: know, because Sam would probably make the bit. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Sam, yeah.
6: Well, yeah. I, I think the idea that uh, uh, Sam Kinnison today could co- be transported back and uh and, yeah and be explained have have try to have somebody explain to him what woke culture is oh boy <laughs> i think sam mm-hmm. would probably go yeah i guess uh I guess if I was woke, I probably would have avoided that truck. Oh! 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 Yeah. So, in other words, I'll see your premise and take you one worse. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah. There you go. Oh, My Christ.
7: God,
0: that's amazing. Yeah,
6: yeah, crazy, crazy. Um, you just yeah. barely touched on it. Um, uh, a couple days ago, about being friends with people like Kinnison. And I just, I forget about the fact that when you say you, you would have these comedians to your house, that you had children in the house. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: we I were, know, we put a st- I put a stop to it. I'm like, we have to get off. Well, when space. we were adults. I was 20. <laughs> 20
3: yeah, no, we were, was, yeah, we were, yeah, we were well into adulthood yeah. by the time we were not living started. there anymore or anything.
2: But nonetheless, it's kind of like all of a sudden they were hanging out, right. you know, having a beer, staying for dinner. I'm like, no. Well, and no, also some of these guys no. are sketchy. Andy and I,
1: I, I aren't don't exactly. Ooh, you know
7: what? Ske- what? Who's the sketchiest comedian? That's what I wanted oh. to know. There, there, I got to know. There had to there be. There have been the, some listen, really sketchy There, there yeah. clearly
6: had to be an individual that showed up at the house that, that crossed a line that mm-hmm. made you sit down with Tom and say, Tom. <laughs> yep. So I, who was the first person that you said, we should reconsider being this warm to comedians. We
3: actually have one show that we never aired due to the guest. There's one show out there. The, the audio's gone. It's anyone, not a
1: comedian, though. It oh. wasn't a comedian.
3: You know who I'm talking oh. about. Yeah. Yep. There's anyone wanting to do a lost episode of that guy? That's not happening. It is <laughs> no, long
1: gone. But that was because yeah, really, even really I don't bad. remember
3: what he was supposed to be on for.
1: Yeah, like a book or something. Some he sort wrote of a, book a book or
3: something, but. The guy comes on and he starts going like, "America is doomed." I really think America oh, is doomed
1: over yeah. and over and yeah. over again. Yeah. We keep
3: importing He's... Muslims that are killing everybody. Uh, oh. America is doomed. <laughs> and we were all just of all sitting these here because he, he, he was on the, and the phone. shell
1: shot. and we were yeah. all just staring at each other like. And as like, yeah. soon
3: as I hit stop, I said, "Dad, can we release this?" And he says, "No." <laughs> All no. right, I'll come. I'll come, come right
6: out and admit it. It was me, Mike Lindell, for my pillow. American, no, okay. Was I Not used to smoke. Age. Used to smoke crack cocaine. Crack well, cocaine. You
0: did. <laughs> he did. We have. a plane next to his
1: old.
3: With that segue, we have our guest, Fritz uh, Coleman, on the line. (laughs) Fritz, how are you?
9: Hey, Fritz, you ever smoke crack cocaine? No. But I'm going to be really self conscious about what I say in this show. (laughs) (laughs) Man.
2: When
9: I first tuned in, I was embarrassed to be a man. Now I'm just embarrassed to be a person. (laughs) Wow. How are you, Fritz? How are you doing, guys? Happy to talk to you. Happy to talk Great to
0: you. having you on. Uh, Craig Gass is our, our special in studio guest today. The timing for this whole thing, having Fritz Coleman and Craig Gass on uh, the same day is, is terrific. Now, here's Fritz Coleman with the weather. For nearly four decades, Los Angelinos came to know and love Fritz Coleman through his gig as the weather reporter at KNBC, where his affable demeanor, I said affable demeanor, Honed in his early years of stand-up comedy, made him a staple of local news. I want to hear the rest of the story from you, Fritz. It's uh, it's terrific. Media Path podcast uh, discussion of current cultural events, recommendations from all kinds of people, and all the rest of it. But uh, oh, you're doing a Tubi special too. You're doing that. uh, It's coming out soon. That's good. Excellent. So
9: you're on fire, Fritz. I'm just. I'm. I'm old, but I'm progressing forward. I'm really happy.
0: Well, see, that's yeah. the whole, you know, what's interesting about that, Fritz, is I left a job that I was on for 37 years. The first 27 years was terrific. The last 10 years was pure hell. <laughs> mm. And I, I came over to a different company, and I am ecstatic. I am so happy. I'm just in a great mood. Everybody's wonderful to work with. So, Fritz, you got to do what you got to do, right?
9: No, absolutely. That sounds good. That's kind of like my arc. I just ran out of steam. I I had done the weather for two weeks shy of 40 years on NBC Los Angeles. And suddenly nobody cared about jokes on the air now because of climate change. Everybody was starting to take the weather really seriously. And I'm grossly unqualified to be serious about the weather. So it was time for me to step aside. And now I'm just having a great life. I get to do this stuff with you guys. I, I did an hour special at the El Portal Theater in North Hollywood, California, which is uh, going to be on Tubi and some other streaming, uh, advertiser-supported streaming services. Awesome! I'm just having a blast. That's I really great. am. Are you? So, did you start at the Comedy Store?
6: Um, yes. And and when when did you, was the time frame you were there?
9: This is a true story. Real meteorologists hate this story because it shows how little <laughs> it takes to really have a profession of meteorology. <laughs> <laughs> but. I was, uh, I was working at the Comedy Store in 1982, and a friend of mine that worked at NBC Los Angeles brought his boss to see me perform at the Comedy Store. And I had done a little anecdote um, in my act about, I, I, I got my start broadcasting working for Armed Forces Radio and Television, and I was forced to do the weather against my will. I didn't know anything about it, but they didn't care. I just had to plug this two-and-a-half-minute hole during the news every night. So uh, I I told a story about that. And after my show at the Comedy Store was over, I went backstage to meet my friend and his boss and his boss's wife. And this guy said to me, this is a really weird question, but do you have any desire to come to Channel 4 and do some vacation relief and weekend fill-in for me? I have a main weather guy that hasn't had a vacation in a year, and I really need some help. And I was making $45 a night at the Comedy Store. He said, oh, my
6: God. Which means you were doing three sets a night.
9: And can I please carry your wife to the car for you? Can I do anything? <laughs> wow. And uh, so I auditioned and got the job and I did weekends for two years. And then I was bumped up to the main job. And honest to God, my career has been the greatest stroke of luck since that woman was discovered at Schwab's pharmacy in the 40s. I'm so wow. very lucky. And uh, had a great time, but it was time for me to step aside.
3: Well, our yeah. listener, Darren, I think has an eidetic memory because he said, Fritz walked by me at Disneyland in 1987.
1: What? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> he was, oh, he was recognizable
3: because of his glasses. Okay. Wow. So those glasses, 40 years later, people are still talking about See that? Fritz, Yeah. Fritz, when I had. I was going to say when, when
6: you when you say I'm sorry to interrupt but when you say you got you're making 45 bucks a night at the comedy store that's three sets right because they were paying 15 bucks a set I'm not I'm not
9: joking when I say that
6: was that was that no
9: I know it's it, it was it was about that you know it was a, it was a main room spot so you got. You got a, a lot more than you would in the original room. Oh, the right. The, room.
6: Right. The main room. They, they uh, paid more. So,
9: you know, but, but it certainly wasn't a living. And when this guy said, would you like to have full employment? I almost passed out. I said, you do know that I don't know anything about weather. He said, this will be perfect because there's no weather in California. This will work <laughs> out great. And, and when, so, you, when you
6: start making a name for yourself in local news doing, uh, doing weather at the NBC affiliate, do your comedian friends at the store start asking you for gigs at the station?
9: no i'll tell you it's really interesting including the reaction i got from jay leno and he 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 considered me a sellout Now i had two kids he said you know you're either a comedian or a weatherman what are you gonna be i said well i have two kids and you know i had no national name i was a middle act a feature act you would go out on the road and you guys know this you would go to giggles in cincinnati and make $600 for six nights yep. and often have to pay for your own transportation yep. and come home with $100 in your pocket. I had kids. I couldn't do that. So this was a, you know, this this job was a godsend. And I still got to do sets. I would do two or three sets a week at the improv or the comedy store or wherever else I was invited. So I, w- I didn't give up my career. It was just the perception that I'd sold out. But I got used to selling out really quickly. So, and,
6: and in the early 80s, this is Richard Pryor, Robin Williams, uh, they're all regulars at the at the store at that point. Yes, exactly. And, and it was a
9: pretty heady time. It was just post the strike. They had a strike there. I don't know what the dates were. The late seventies to about nineteen eighty, because before that, comics weren't even paid. They right? weren't even given a, a tip. Uh, and then the club owner's feelings, Mitzi Shore that owned the comedy store and Bud Friedman on the improv, their feeling was you were going to comedy college in their club. You're having a chance to expose your talent to the entire entertainment industry we're not paying you for that you know you're you can make a career out of it which is you know as they're turning into millionaires absolutely not only and- <laughs> turning into
6: millionaires mitzi ended up buying land all over southern california off the backs back oh, yeah. no comedians. it was it
9: was a really transparent excuse and so everybody went on strike for a, a few weeks and then they finally paid us and, and it still is a joke yeah that, and it's uh, in fact, it has you know fifteen twenty dollars a set in the original room, so they have six comics at fifteen dollars a set, yep you have a couple Jesus. of higher end comics in the main room for forty five or fifty or whatever, and you know so their talent for any given night ends up being two hundred and fifty dollars, yep. and they're making a fortune on drinks, and so it was it was really unjust, and so they had to go on strike
6: yeah, and they sadly. The pay has not – she didn't pay anything. No, it hasn't increased. It has it hasn't increase. Increase in 40 years. So it, no. it's – and I, no. that's no. not an exaggeration. It started out that the comedians were not getting paid at all at the comedy store. So uh, this is – on any given night, you're seeing Jimmy, J.J. Walker, George Carlin, Robin Williams, Richard Pryor. No one's getting paid until mm-hmm. the strike. And then they said, OK, fine. We'll pay you $15 per set. And it's still fifteen dollars. Forty years later, it, it, yeah. it
9: was a joke. It was a tip. Yeah. And uh, and you know she with with the bigger acts like when uh, Richard Pryor went in there to juice up his act for Live at the Sunset Strip movie and and Carlin would come in there and do a set. Um, they would get a piece of the door. That was how they could lure bigger acts in there because they're going to come there for free. But uh, but nobody else got that gift. And uh, it, it, you know it's just. But you know what I mean? It, it, it's if you're going to get into show business, be prepared to sell all or a portion of your soul. Yeah. So.
6: And did you ever see Robin Williams get beat up?
9: What? I never saw him get beat up. Uh, I, I got to, I, I, uh, when I was first starting, I was the uh, opening act and MC at the La Jolla Comedy Store, which okay. was sort of their satellite store which is a great gig and um, i don't know if you ever worked it still that is
6: it's still an amazing san, room. yeah
9: it's a wonderful show and one night robin was uh working at san diego state university and uh, and uh sandy mitzi's daughter that ran that club said don't say anything on stage but robin's coming up to do a set when he's finished and um the headliner that I was opening for was Bruce Babyman Bomb. I don't know if you remember sure, Bruce. Sure, of course. Bomb. He used to stand on stage with a diaper for 45 minutes. Yeah. It, was, <laughs> it was a great college act. The more stoned you were, the more profound this guy's ever <laughs> <laughs> and, But anyway, and he was a prop comic, and he had suitcases full of props. So Bruce is done, and it's time for me to bring up Robin for a guest set. And I introduce Robin, and Robin comes up and improvises an hour with Bruce's props, wow, five oh. times as funny as Bruce's act that he'd been working on for 30 years in bad clubs all around America. wow! And he just destroyed the room. And I, that was the night where I really got a sense of the brilliance of this man. He was yeah, the,
6: the reason he got beat up was Robin, and I never knew this until literally my first week of doing stand-up, that Robin... Lifted ha- people's humor. He would take people's jokes. And, really? yeah. and, and for years would say... I, I, I'm just kind of free flowing. I don't know what I'm doing up there. But he would steal everybody's wow. stuff, yeah. and there was one. There, there
9: was a there was a running gag that all the San Francisco comics, like Dana Carvey and Bobby Slayton, yep. would all sit around when he was doing a Tonight Show set, and everybody would pick out their own bits that Robin was doing <laughs> while he was on the show. But but but, they, but somebody analyzed it this way, and I I'm I'm going to give Robin the benefit of the doubt. His brain works so fast that it wasn't like he sat and consciously said, I'm going to lift this person's material. I hope they don't recognize it. He's just yanking stuff out of all corners of his brain and not really thinking consciously about where it's coming from. Absolutely. And uh, so I'll I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He was one of the fastest and one of the one of the inspirational comics. So. The guy
6: that would beat him up was a, a comedian that uh, was a handsome. I can't think of his name, but he was a handsome guy who did sound effects. He had this great act. All right, uh, I'm googling handsome
3: comedian. Hanses, right. guys,
6: Craig, and and he he had this act where he um, he he was famous for doing this stagecoach. Uh, piece.
9: Oh yeah, right. I, yeah, uh, it was like a five
6: or ten minute stagecoach. Which I'll he, think of
9: it tomorrow. He, he yeah. would
6: yeah. he would do all the sound effects of everything <laughs> around the stagecoach, and he used to say regularly in his set, "Reality, what a concept." And Robin named his special "Reality,
8: oh, what man. a
6: concept." Oh. And that guy would show up. And anytime that Robin was around and, and one of this guy's buddies was nearby, they'd say, hey, Robin's at the store. This guy just started showing up and just beating the shit out of Robin on a regular <laughs> <What>? basis. <laughs> until, and I heard, everyone told me a version of this story, including George Carlin, who said, think about it. You never heard anybody ever say, and to quote the great Robin Williams. <laughs> and <laughs> and, uh, and apparently this guy, this comedian, ended up, his last act before somebody had to intervene was he threw Robin Williams down a flight of steps oh at the comedy Jeez. store. And a lot of comedians who were there in that time frame knew about that story, that this guy was showing up and just beating the shit out of Robin all the time. Are you talking
3: about Tim what? Tomerson? Yes, Tim Thomerson.
6: Tim Thomerson. Yeah.
9: Tom. that's exactly right. He was on, uh, he was on uh, Midnight Special once. And he, that that stagecoach thing, he with with like 15 sound effects juggling in the air simultaneously.
6: Yeah. Amazing. Sound wow. Machine. I,
9: I had not heard that story, but I'm not surprised. There were a lot of circumstances like that. You know, uh, George Carlin had a fight. I, I wrote some jokes for Joan Rivers when I first got to town. So who didn't? Everybody did. Right. And she was <laughs> notoriously one of the cheapest people. Oh, wow. she paid ten dollars a joke. And then her oh. lawyer would send a 15-page document that you had to sign that you wouldn't sell it to somebody else. And it occurred to me, the paper was worth more than the amount of money you were paid wow. to write these fucking jokes. Wow! But, but anyway, George Carlin got in a fight with Joan because Joan would buy a lot of material, and guys were stealing material from George and sort of reworking it and selling it to Joan. And Whoa. so, you know, there was all that kind of stuff.
6: Wow, that's amazing. Did you, And did you still, and when you're making a living... And you got a good job. You're working in one of the biggest markets in in the country. Do you lose your love for comedy or or do you still want to get on stage?
9: No, I I just loved it. It uh, It was really, it took all of my, the writing and performing and getting gigs was still my main passion. But I had this wonderful day job which was going morning clouds and fog, hazy afternoon sun every day from April to September, you know, so it was not it wasn't a taxing career. So I was able to do this other stuff, you know, and I and, and they, Channel 4 was great about it. They gave me money to do specials. I got four Emmy Awards for local comedy specials. I did. I, I was able to nurture that part of my career, too. I, I really had the best of both worlds. Wow.
6: And are you still friends with anybody from that time frame that you were at the Comedy Store? Any comics from that time frame?
9: Yes, I'm going on our podcast, Media Path Podcast. We're going to have Tom Dreesen on it a couple of weeks, and oh, I've been friends. Oh, with Oh, I Tom love
0: Tom. You.
9: He's Tom got a, a million guy. stories about opening for Frank Sinatra. You just have to ask him oh, one wow. question, and then go out for a sandwich and come back an hour later. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That is
0: true. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Great guy, though. Great guy.
9: Oh yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. And he's been very supportive of other comics too. He was so touching. They had a. Uh, Memorial for Bud Freeman at the uh, improv. And he was so touching uh, at what he said about Bud and what other comics said about Tom. Uh, it was like Tom passed away and Bud hadn't. It was great. Everybody was being really uh, wow. sensitive about him. He's a good guy. Anyway, yes, I've maintained friendships. Not a lot. You know, as you know, it's a it, it's a business made up of uh, people who are in a black hole of emotional despair most of the time. Yeah. And uh, they're very competitive Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's it's uh, maintaining a long quality friendship is is not easy.
6: Yeah, it, it kind of bums me out because I'm such a fan. I'm such a
9: fan of stand up oh, exactly. comedy, and, I agree. and it,
6: it bums me out, especially when I meet comics who I grew up watching and admiring, and and by the time I get to them, they're in a real dark dark place. By the time I get <laughs> I to them,
9: if show business hasn't treated them well, that's going to be a rough conversation. You know? Yeah.
6: Yeah, in fact, uh, Carl LeBeau, I think, is the one guy I know who actually became lighter over time. And I think it was because Sam was gone and he was able to. God
9: bless Carl, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, he was part of the posse, Sam's posse at the comedy store, always open for him. And he was part of the, the uh, what do they call him? The uh, bad boys of comedy. Oh, or the outlaws.
6: The outlaws. The outlaws of
9: comedy, yeah. yeah. And Alan Steven and all those guys. Yeah. And, and but But you know the story about Sam and Carl's child, right? You know that whole story? we just talked about it yes, yeah we did yeah it's yeah. Uh, i mean it's the it's a shakespearean violation of friendship it i mean it really I, is yeah, yeah. I, I i couldn't believe it when i heard that and and uh, then carl oddly sadly passed away from cancer or something yeah i was cancer.
6: yeah it was cancer i was with him the last year uh, oh, man. in 2020 during the pandemic i spent his last year with him and and kept him company in las vegas and
9: Oh, I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. He was a really nice guy. And the best fly impersonation in the history of yeah. comedy.
6: <laughs> you know what? That guy, he actually, he told me a story a couple of times that I felt like it was so important to him that he told me the story a couple of times. That I ended up telling the story at his memorial, which was that um, uh, Brian Regan, who is the mm-hmm. cleanest, squeak, like an amazing comedian, squeaky yeah. clean though. Um mm-hmm. he sends a text uh to Carl and says, Hey, how's it hanging? And Carl responds, I don't appreciate your quote unquote sense of humor. Carl passed <laughs> Carl passed away yesterday. Who is this? Oh, <laughs> and there was oh, a a long pause and then uh Carl said,
5: Um,
6: um I've been having uh uh, I had my first erection in months uh, yesterday, and I put on your Netflix special, haven't been able to get hard since. And <laughs> and Brian said, uh, oh, well, I'll have to put that disclaimer on my special then. <laughs> and I, I told that story at the memorial. And Brian followed me at the memorial and said, uh, you know what Craig said is true, but uh, he's leaving out that a couple weeks later, I said, "How are you?" And he sent me a video of Alan Steven giving him mouth to mouth on the bed, <laughs> trying to like hit his chest to try to jumpstart his heart. And then Alan looks in the camera and says, "Does that answer your question, Brian?" Like I, I couldn't believe the level that they would go to to make jokes while well, that's he the way was dying. These guys were, yeah. yeah, and they were they were they outrageous.
9: Were though. That it was a scary time at the comedy store. Where, uh, you know, when Sam first got out here from Houston or wherever it was, you know, they were all part of that group that started in Houston, and came out to L.A. Mm-hmm. Yep. They made Sam the uh, manager of the Westwood Comedy Store, which is up in, you know, near UCLA. And uh, nobody got Sam at the time. He, he just scared people. And he was the manager. It was time to close up. Sam would go up and do the last set of the night. And people would go running for the doors. They couldn't believe this guy. They were so freaked out. Yeah. But that's how he emptied the club. He would go up and do a set. And suddenly there'd be no customers there at about 1 o'clock in the morning. Did you Amazing ever, guy.
6: Did you ever hang out at that, at that house behind the comedy store everybody partied at?
9: No, no. I, I never did. But most of my pals did, you know. Yeah, Yakovsky. There were near great north. stories at Mitzi's uh, memorial service. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, about you know, uh, Mike Binder had great stories, and they they, they told you know, and Argus Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Argus,
6: uh, Argus uh, and Mitzi, I mean, they, they they had a relationship.
9: Yeah. And Don't like, let your head go there because it, it's a thought you can't get out of. Your
6: head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people people believed and accused Argus of having sex with Mitzi to get stage time. <laughs>
9: At the club Well you know who knows You, you do what you have to do <laughs> I know the big love of her life Was Steve Landisberg Who was on uh, Oh, Barney like, Miller uh, the, Yeah they, they had a relationship for a while On uh, what was that police show I can't remember the Barney name Barney Miller Yeah Barney Miller sorry. Yeah. And uh, you know All kinds of sordid Nefarious stories from the store But all very funny And uh, it's impossible to explain to people What it's like to be in this business If you're not in it it's uh, it's it's hard to explain.
6: What a story. What a life. Mm-hmm. God, Fritz, you've, you've seen it all, man.
9: No, well, I, I wasn't part of it, but I observed it from across the street.
0: Yeah, there you go. What was the the first year that, that Sam appeared at the Comedy Store? Was that 82, 83, something like that?
9: That sounds about right. I think um, that's about right. Yeah. And ask- uh, his brother... And his sister-in-law owned a theater in Upland, California. Oh, they, yeah. took this, they took this uh, movie theater and transformed it into a performance space. It was great. I worked there for a few years in a row. But then during the pandemic, they were going broke and had to sell it. And they sold it and moved back to Texas. Yep, that's right. And, uh, and uh, then when they had the, I don't know if it was the reunion of the comedy store, like the 50th or 40th reunion, or it was Mitzi's memorial. Uh, his brother came back up uh, to, to be there. It was good to see him. Was well, what guy.
6: was the question, Tom? You said you, uh 82, you wanted to know because what?
9: Oh, I'm or sorry. I, yeah, no. I, I, I think it's about that year.
0: Not a problem at all. I, I was uh, uh, engaged to this really beautiful woman named Catherine Brandt, Aww. and we went out to uh, Los Angeles because, matter of fact, I got offered the morning show at KLOS in those wow. days. I didn't didn't take the job. Um, just uh, in any case, so so Catherine and I went to the uh, to the comedy store.
2: Oh, God. He's going to throw me right under the bus. <clears throat> and there was
0: a comedian on stage, and he was all his whole act was the rip the piss out of women. That's yeah, what he did. Sure. And did. so this is forty years ago, or a little longer than that, actually. No, it's probably about forty years ago. So he's going after women, going after women, and finally Catherine's had enough. She goes, "Would you stop?" in the middle so of the show in the middle of the show <laughs> yes whoa she,
9: she Good didn't want to hear any more of it anymore, but, exactly he'd be so now. there's no way to be able to do that now
0: here now. comes the best part of the whole thing so all of a sudden i got two of the door guys standing right next to me one on my left and one on my right because they're going to make sure that i'm not going to get involved in this at all and the guy leaves stage and the next guy to come out is jay leno and he walks out on stage, and the first thing he does is he says, "Lady, lady, the one who yelled out, where are you from?" She goes, "Minnesota," and he goes, "Oh, a frozen bitch!"
2: Oh! Yeah, thanks, Jay. Oh, no. Thanks, Jay Leno. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have stuck up for me, no,
6: no. Oh my God, that did not go the
7: direction thanks. I thought it was
0: going to go, Mike. <laughs>
7: Me
0: neither. <laughs> oh, I thought it was wonderful. I'm looking
2: around at all the women in the crowd, I'm like, right? Right, ladies? And they're all like No, no. Completely Not quiet no looking down at their, wow. you know,
9: shoes. Uh, I'm like, okay. I,
6: I love when oh, things take a a left <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a sharp left.
2: Yeah, there's, yeah there's, then
6: I'll save the show. Yeah, there's a, someone who was telling me about the early days of Kinnison before he got famous that he was on stage working on some new material about the girl he was dating and he said, um he goes, yeah, I'm dating this girl. And um, yeah. you know, she's uh, she's a little bit, you know, overweight. And uh, and someone in the front row goes, How fat is she? <laughs> oh, <my gosh. laughs> and Sam stopped and went, Jesus, she has a gland problem, you insensitive
0: dick!
3: Oh, oh, oh!
8: oh! <laughs>
6: And just started screaming at the guy, like, wow. Yeah, Sam's not the guy to do that kind of humor. So, But uh, oh God, but yeah, my God, Jay Leno. I hope I run into Jay Leno someday so I can remind him of that line and ask him if he remembers that line. Oh, do you he's...
2: remember ripping that woman? That was <laughs> my
0: wife, Catherine.
6: Holy and, you shit.
0: Know, you know what's so great for, for the rest of us? Is to hear the two of you talk about the business, being on stage, doing comedy and all the rest of it. Because not a lot of people get way inside it like you guys have been so far in the show. And I, and I love that. I don't think people understand, uh, you know, the, the heartbreak most comedians go through, the hard work that it is. Mm-hmm. You're trying to do some work. Other people are stealing your bits. I mean, being a comedian at first, well, probably all the time, is a hell of a lot harder than people think it is. Oh, my God. And, you know, Fritz is there at a, at a, in the
6: golden age of stand-up comedy. Um, what was the name of the guy, uh, Argus, that we were talking about? So, Argus. A, yeah, he's, every, like, he's
8: still there. The yeah, and he's still there. That,
6: that's the story I was going to tell, is that in this time, uh, everyone that was at the comedy store either became famous or just disappeared. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, whether it was um, – richard or robin williams and carlin and um uh, roseanne and leno they all become superstars fritz gets you know everyone takes off and one guy who still is there is argus hamilton and i only met mm-hmm. robin williams once and when i did i asked him the dumbest question i said robin my name's craig gas <laughs> I'm a stand-up comedian, and I just racked my brain. I had like I looked at him, and I had 30 seconds to think of this question. I said, um, I, I'm a comedian. I work at the comedy store. I heard that there used to be a lot of ghosts in the comedy store that was haunted, mm-hmm. and this was my question. I said, did you ever see any ghosts? And Robin looked at me and said, no, but I heard if you look really closely, you'll still see Argus Hamilton walking around. And I went, Oh my god! Oh my god! Can I get a picture? And we took a picture, and then that and that was it. I figured I'll get another chance to talk to him. But yeah, what a great line! Yeah, Argus. Um, that time frame—it's amazing with all the drugs that were going on at that time—that that comedians even survived that. I mean,
9: that that yeah. was a lot. Didn't I? Thank God every day that I. Didn't get sucked into that vortex. I was there for some really special nights. I was there one of the first times uh, Jim Carrey performed there. Oh, wow. Uh, he, he, was, he was still were coming down from Canada. They were He was doing Yuck Yucks in Toronto or one of those places. And, <laughs> Yuck, and was just coming down uh, to do, uh, you know, just putting feelers out in L.A. And he was down there for a few days. And when he went on stage in the original room, you always know that a comic is special. When all the, the help, other comics, st- other comics, and the help, the waitresses, the busboys, the security people, all stop and watch this guy, yeah, and you could hear a pin drop. And it wasn't necessarily all laughs. He was a great actor and did these very touching pieces. He did the Henry Fonda thing from On Golden <laughs> oh, Pond, yeah, yeah, which wasn't funny. It was beautiful, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I, y- you looked at him and you thought, man, this guy is off and running. And uh, uh, and another time when uh, Whoopi Goldberg had been doing her one-person show in San Francisco, and they wanted to showcase her in the main room at the Comedy Store, and Steven Spielberg was there, and Mike Nichols, and all these people were looking at her for uh, The Color Purple, and that was her audition. Oh, wow. And her opening act was Bobcat Goldthwaite, and I'd never oh, seen him God. before, so it was Bobcat yeah. and Whoopi on stage with I mean, the top 1% of Hollywood in the room watching and, uh, and uh, I, it was a spectacular night.
6: There's a pop culture moment that I heard about and I saw a picture of it. Um, I heard about a night in the late 70s when at 1.30 in the morning, Burt Reynolds pulled up with Sally Field. At the time...
9: Oh, Smoke, there
6: you go. Smokey and the Bandit is the biggest thing in the world, and they are a power couple. They show up at the comedy store, and they say, you know, who's going on next? Can we watch the show? And they said, well, the show's about to wrap. And they said, oh, well, we, we want to watch the up comedy. And they go, well, come on in. We'll put on a show for you. And the, and the aud- it had already died out. Oh, that's funny. And so Burt Reynolds and Sally Field walk in. And for some reason, Willie Nelson shows up. And oh they go, Willie, we're going to do a comedy show. Come on in. And for a crowd of five or six people, that include Bert and Sally Field, Robin Williams and Richard Pryor put on a show wow. for, uh, uh, for these people. And then Willie said, I'll go up and I'll sing some songs. So Willie went up and did some songs. And if you, you can find pictures of this moment. And the craziest thing about the picture is you can recognize Princess Diana in the photo. Oh, wow. Princess Diana is there, and Burt Reynolds, Sally Field, and Richard Pryor, and and Rob Williams. It is like everything that's 70s, 80s pop culture in that yeah. room. In there that was laundry. a
9: time when Jim Carrey was dating Linda Ronstadt, and Linda Ronstadt used to come in the store to watch him perform, and nobody was paying attention to the stage. They are all looking back at the back table looking at Linda Ronstadt. Wow! Wow. Yep. Crazy times. Yeah. And did you ever see any ghosts?
6: No. no Cuz there are some crazy did. ghost stories that came out of that building. There was a full yes. one oh, no, hour. Yeah,
9: because the word was that, you know, when that place was zeros, yes. like the big mob club in LA, the people were mm-hmm. whacked in the back of the place. Yes. And uh, you know, there're still ghosts walking around.
6: Yeah, and, and Sam was obsessed with them. I I yeah. heard, I've heard some pretty amazing stories. Uh, Blake Clark, who used to be on Home Improvement. Oh, yeah,
9: I know Blake. Yeah.
6: Blake used to manage the place, and he said he would always see activity late at night in the store. And there's stories about chairs stacking up on top of each other, glasses flying across the room and smashing against the walls. Yeah, It's crazy.
0: The ghost stories are really yeah. incredible. Yeah.
9: yeah.
0: I
6: love it. Crazy
9: place. Spent Why a lot of time there. Do you have to
0: there? go? Uh, do you have to go? I don't, I don't want to hold you if you, you. if you do have to go, you're obviously welcome to stay. But... Uh, but it said you had to be out by eleven fifty. Is that do you have to be out, or what would you like to do? I
9: I have to do other interviews in this right. thing, and I, I wish I could stay, but I'm I, I it's it's very seldom you get to talk to uh, somebody you have some simpatico with, you know, another comic. I could yeah. talk all day about it, but I do have to do zooms for other guys in this little round robin thing we're doing today.
0: Well, all right, you. Fritz, we'll come back soon.
9: It was a blast talking to you guys. Really entertaining show, and thank you for inviting me. Uh, thanks, thanks for putting up Fritz with my cool.
6: question, Fritz.
9: Oh no, I, I loved it. No problem at all. It was it was awesome. Keep it up. You guys are entertaining. Thank you. Thanks very much. Have a good day.
0: Well, it's another year. What's new for 2023 at Walzer? Well, we're going back in
5: time in a way. You bought a DeLorean franchise. Not exactly. Mm. The market's returning to normal. New inventories are getting back to pre-pandemic levels, and used car prices are returning to normal.
2: So what's a 1995 Camry worth?
5: Deep sympathy. Mm. Mike, have you considered something newer? Well,
2: I would if it came with a 10-year, 150,000-mile powertrain warranty. Hey, was that convincing? As if I knew what a powertrain was?
5: No. It's sure. major medical coverage for your car and it's free with every new car and most used cars at Walzer.
0: I hope you're also keeping your return and exchange program.
5: Of course, people really like that because it means you can't make a mistake. Interestingly though, we sold forty-five thousand cars last year and we took back less than a hundred.
0: Amazing upfront pricing, a free hundred and fifty thousand mile warranty, a return and exchange policy. It's no wonder you sold 45,000 cars last year. To learn more, go to walzer.com.
3: Can I add something?
4: No. Michael Bryant, Brad,
0: Sean. Bryant, what's
4: the latest? Uh, We're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries.
0: And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy (laughs) if I'm hanging out with you.
4: Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Uh, Okay.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Ladies and gentlemen, Media Path Podcast. You can find it, obviously, where you find your favorite podcasts. Uh, Discussion of current cultural events and recommendations from uh, the hosts. Soon, uh, a Tubi special he is doing that is uh, coming out. So, Media Path Podcast is Fritz Coleman's show. I had never heard you interview somebody before there Mr. Gass. You do a hell of a job. Good job. Well, I am a fan
6: of stand-up comedy, so the moment I start talking to a comedian, I just I want to know everything about yeah. their time frame, who was in their uh, class, so to speak, of who they started out with. And I'm I'm just a fan. I'm I'm still head over heels in love with stand-up comedy and whenever I have a free night when I'm traveling I, I always go to open mics I love being around people who want to be comedians they they seem to love comedy more than people who are making money and <laughs> uh, I, I just I love being around it so yeah, I couldn't believe when you said his name. I was like, that sounds like the name of the the weather guy in LA. And then you're like, it's the weather guy
3: from the NBC affiliate in LA. And I was like, get out of here. No way. There you have it. Sam. See, the thing about stand-up comedy that I think would be the most difficult isn't, you know, the pacing and the, you know, like coming up with bits and all that sort of stuff. I think it's telling the same bits with the same enthusiasm every time because oh, you're going to yeah, be telling yeah, the yeah. same bits 50, 60 times, right? Oh, yeah.
6: Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are comics that... And I know Tom knows this. There are comics that do the same act
7: for decades. Yeah. Decades. When I ran the Ray house... J. Johnson? Like, yeah. When I ran the house of comedy, there would be guys that would come through like the first time I saw him, and I'd be like, oh, that guy's funny. And then like the second year, it's like, it's oh, it's the same material. Same thing, and yeah. then like, the third... And it's like, <laughs> oh, I know your jokes better than you know your jokes. Well,
3: and it's like, I get it. You can't have new material every time you go up on stage. It's just impossible. It just... It's interesting that they can talk as if they are telling these jokes for the first time every time. I could never do it.
7: And especially the crowd work, because there will be, they'll like, oh, I'm doing crowd work, but it's really just bits that they wrote. Yep, looking for a specific type of person in the crowd. It's, it's like totally. find
3: a guy with a funny hat. You know,
6: there's yeah, going to be Oh, no, yeah, here's yeah. the uh, oh, boys yeah. yeah, find find a heavy-set person yep, so I can exactly. do all my fat jokes. jokes,
3: find the person with a funny hat so I can do all the hat jokes. But you got to pretend you it's like, "Oh wow, I just noticed you. I didn't think there'd be one of you out there."
6: Yeah, <laughs> uh, Gilbert Gottfried would shamelessly get up on stage and go, "Bert Lancaster, if he was in Gone with the Wind, like he just, uh, like these were, these were references that predated anyone's birthday in the room and he would just do these unbelievably old references that nobody understood and he didn't care. And then the flip side of that, the only guy that genuinely is bored with his material and every comedian is fascinated watching him work is Dave Tell. If comedians are doing math, David Tell is the only person doing advanced calculus. I did a a weekend of shows, and this is a (laughs) terrible, terrible topic to bring up. But it's an example of, of how brilliant David Tell is. And again, this is a terrible, terrible topic. But David Tell, we did three shows together. The first show, in the middle of his set, he would stop and say... All right, let's talk about anal beads. Uh, And then he he sees someone in the crowd and he goes, oh, do you not know what anal beads are? I'll tell you what, they're not. They're not a good gift for the office at the holidays, which got a big laugh. The next night he goes, all right, let's talk about anal beads. And then he sees someone in the front row and he goes, oh, do you, you don't know what anal beads are? Let me see if I can explain this to you. Anal beads are like finding out there's no Santa Claus six times in a row. And you like, oh, my God. And then the next night, he goes, all right, let's talk about anal beads. And he doesn't even find someone in the audience. He just says, what do you say when you pull out? What are you supposed to say when you pull out the anal beads? Are you supposed to say something? I came up with something. Maybe you guys can use this. When I'm pulling out the anal beads, I'll say, and your winning Powerball numbers are seven, 12, corn. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It was, it was such a – and he would get annoyed, genuinely annoyed with anyone in the audience who laughed too hard. Mm. It, it bothered him when people laughed too hard. I heard him say to somebody, oh, God,
3: pick a laugh. Jesus.
4: Like he got mad at
3: people. (laughs) He's like aggressively Gen X apathetic. Right. He's like, I know I'm not
7: that funny.
4: Yes, and and he
6: is a master. Like anyone in his peripheral, he just shoots people down. Like he's just he he hates doing the same joke the same way two nights in a row. Mm -hmm. And comics aren't like that. Like you you try to figure out how to get your material just right. You're trying to craft it. And ATEL is the only one who gets bored with his own material and is trying to um, figure out different angles. And it's it's brilliant to watch. Have you ever had a tell on? I don't think so. Tell is is uh, he doesn't like to travel a
7: lot. Well, that would be oh. one reason. Yeah. The wrong career to yeah, not like really. <laughs> to travel.
3: He doesn't like repeating yeah. himself. He the, hates the, traveling. Yep. In fact, he's doing in comedy. In fact, Jeff
6: Ross toured with him a few years ago on this show called Bumpin' Mics, and Jeff Ross was saying how tough it was to get. David Tell to travel because he would only agree to do casinos and specifically Indian casinos because you can smoke in Indian mm. casinos. <laughs> <laughs> like he, had, there you go. he also <laughs> didn't want to be within a few hours of any family members who might try to show oh, up. <laughs> like no. it, just, yeah, it, was, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. But I am, I'm so in love with stand up comedy that. that the the minute I meet a comedian, especially one that I know something about, I just want to talk to them. Amy and I were talking yesterday about what makes Tom a great broadcaster. Is Here we go. Is he's always had this was not in front of your face, so so you know this is <laughs> Good. this is this Good. is a sincere thing. What makes Tom a great broadcaster is that he's genuinely curious about people, right? So and that that curiosity makes for great conversation. And great conversation is great to listen
3: to. So, well, so that's why I'm not a good host. I don't care about anyone <laughs> well, we yeah. have. What were you in? Yeah. I, don't care.
1: <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, your indifference does yeah. not serve you
3: well. We have Greg Gas on today. I think he's a comedian. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
6: Amy brought up that Tom, because uh, you notice how Tom would say, I know I've had you tell this story before, but do you mind telling... And then while you were telling the story, he would ask you questions about it because... In hearing a story again, he'd go, "Now, why did that person say, or why did that? You know, he's genuinely curious about people and about stories." And I have that same thing, but it's it's for specific topics. Or if it's, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, even when I'm at a hotel and I get to know people at the front desk at a a hotel, I I love to say, "What's the." what's the weirdest shit you've ever found in a hotel room?
7: Yep. Yep. (laughs) They find some weird shit. I I would love
6: love to be on the receiving end of whoever has the job that gets to hear housekeeping going, you're not going to believe what we just found (laughs) in room 204. When when they
7: all go out for drinks after their shift, like I want to be there and we can complain about how bad today was. There are um, anyone who works in
6: the hotel industry can write a book. I have gotten some amazing stories from people. There is a friend of mine who manages a hotel property in San Diego who said his front desk manager came up to him and said, we have a, room, a woman in room 305 who is upset she wants a refund on her room. And he goes, what's wrong with the room? And she takes a pause and goes, she says, every time her husband sits on our toilets, his balls keep touching the water. <laughs> Was her name Maude?
2: Yeah. I think
3: your husband's got a problem, not the hotel. Uh, And my buddy
6: Mike, who's the the GM, said, can you tell her to come down and ask for me? And she goes, do you want me to refund the room? He goes, I'll refund the room. I want her to look me right in the face. And I want her to say, because of... Your high water levels.
7: Right. And, I was going to say, how and, high is the water? Yeah, it's pretty high. <laughs> and my husband's incredibly
6: <laughs> elastic testicles. We have a pro- I want her to look me right in the face and I want her to tell me that that is the problem she has in my hotel. And yeah, so hotel people have amazing stories. Well, it's like
1: the premise of White Lotus a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Hotel guest weirdness.
6: Yeah, weirdness.
3: Kind yeah. of that's part
7: of it. Because when it's not their own home, people don't. Give yeah, people act just terribly. animals. People yeah. who yeah. work in
3: f- like. we always clean up our hotel room before we leave. We make sure there's no crumbs on the couch or whatever, you know. It's I don't know. People who work in hotels
6: are are have antennas up now to they know if a prostitute has just walked into their hotel. Oh, yeah. They know if someone is planning on throwing a party. There's subtle things that they've picked up on about human behavior that they can anticipate problems before they even happen. Mm-hmm. And and it's amazing what they've learned about human behavior. Also, there is a statistic. There, it's just a numbers game. That if you work in the hotel industry long enough, and you have X amount of people checking in, not all of them are checking out. Right. You know, so you you have to make some weird phone calls at some point to say, hey, you know, someone you're, somebody that you love is no longer with us, and and you know, it's Ugh. yeah, it's 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 crazy, and um, and then people leave things behind that. There has to be phone call saying, you left an object behind? <laughs> an
0: object. Okay, uh, I can I yeah. jump in here? Because that's my story about a hotel. What? Oh, I I you left an behind? object? Yeah. I'm in Kansas City. I'm working for Capitol Records at the time. I believe Bob Seger was uh, Arrowhead Stadium or one of those deals. Holy shit. So I'm in town, and I won't say the hotel, although it was their fault, so I probably should. But I won't. <laughs> So I get back, and it's later than hell, and I'm really, really tired, so I just get undressed, I brush my teeth, I crawl into bed, and I fall asleep. And I kept all night waking up, and I didn't know why I kept waking up, and then all of a sudden I realized something was sticking me, like this sharp little point was sticking me into my lower leg. And I'm thinking, what the hell is that? So I peel back the covers. No. And inside the covers is a copy of Hustler magazine. I thought
1: it was a
5: needle. I thought it was a a hypodermic needle. needle. I I thought
0: it was a hypodermic needle. needle. Okay, so what I'm saying is they obviously didn't change the sheets oh. on the bed. Clearly. Well, well,
2: that's that's gross. Gross.
7: Clearly. I had a mattress. It's a little crusty under there. the no. 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 Maybe it no. was a gift from Wait. <laughs> Okay.
1: It is alarming that most hotels don't have waterproof mattress covers. Most don't. is interesting,
3: don't. isn't it? Yeah. No. They Yuck.
1: don't? No, most don't. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. It's that's really gross. Like our you would my kid has thrown the millions. Yeah, my kid has thrown up on a hotel bed before and it's like, oh, we got to strip the sheets and blah 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 and there's not that's a gross. mattress protector.
6: By yeah. By the way, if anyone out there listening to this right now happens to be an animator, and you can animate Tom's story. And, you're gonna, you. and you can animate Tom's story that he just told. Can you please include the moment where he touches the magazine and tries to open it and it won't open? Can you just do that? Can you, can you animate that part and send that over to Tom, what is it? Tom Bernard Podcast at gmail.com, please?
4: Thank
0: you. Thank you. Thank
2: you. Animate that. Thank you for that suggestion. That yeah.
0: Lovely Love story. It. <laughs> God, I'll never forget. I'm like, and it's like two in the morning. I'm getting stabbed by this, the, the you know, it's just the back back part of the magazine uh, where it's stapler. You know, I've yeah. the, never the been sta- stabbed by a, a magazine. Yeah. <laughs> but in any case, speak. I peel it back and I'm like, what the hell is it? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I will never forget that as long as I
3: live. You'd yeah, be sleeping on the couch or chair yeah. or something. No, going I just put down a
0: The towel
2: towel's the clean in this place. And
3: Tom, we're talking about a decent hotel, right?
0: Oh, yeah, beautiful, right down there. What's the name of that place down there, Raphael Square, that square downtown? I've never uh, been to Kansas City. City. Do not. Oh, know I, I love Can't Kansas City. You. Kansas City's a great town. Haven't been I've there been been in, in several years, no.
1: It's 12.06,
0: but oh. this year.
6: All right. Oh, do you have to go, Craig? Uh, how, are you guys on for another 20 minutes? 24, 24? Yeah, yeah. uh, Can I listen to you talk for 20 minutes?
2: <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> you just don't feel like talking anymore? Uh, no, I just, I'm, I'm really, I enjoy the conversation every time I come on with you guys, so.
0: No, it's just a great time, honest to God. Well, I, I tell you what, the fact that you were in studio with Fritz Coleman, I think uh, you're not going to find that in a lot of podcasts. An interview like that—that that was a damn good interview. That was fun. Thank you for that. I um, uh, again, I'm just a
6: curious person. So, um, uh, but if you guys want to do something, I can leave and I can get out of here. Um,
3: and uh, uh, we
2: have nothing exciting. No, going
3: we just on. You said you had to go, Is right? right. I was, and, I was
2: yeah, I say,
3: just was just... Uh, no, we but weren't saying it's 12.06 right no, like, I have wow. time blindness,
6: you so i glad.
1: I just was trying to...
6: By the way, I, I feel like this is what the moment was like where whoever the comedian is that you're referencing that crossed the line <laughs> at the house, like this yeah. is the moment when the cocaine fell out of my pocket and was yeah. like, okay, yeah, you know what? Actually... It's 12.06. Why don't you yes. pick up your
3: cocaine? And... I, I don't go, remember but... any comedians being like, you know, I'd need I need th- to get him out of this room. I think
2: it was more uh, of an overarching... These guys like an are
1: ex-con,
3: a little con.
2: X con. Turn comedian. I don't remember his yeah, name. I need name. And we had plenty of Ooh. weird
1: comedians in the studio as oh well. My and gosh. then I stopped oh, yeah. going to the studio when we had comedians in because I had so many creepy comedians like yeah. next i'm just like mm, You
3: said overarching i would have said you. odor emitting for a lot of them
6: how about this uh, i'll be shameless about it and say this if you come out to new hope this weekend i will name all the comedians that we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> on stage one. at ex- new hope cinemas O-giforous. by the way when you say it was an ex-convict do you are you thinking of a specific name because i just want to ask you if their first name Begins with a J. The, the, Do you even Gerard?
2: remember? Not Gerard. He was not an ex-con. Uh, Do you even remember <laughs> well, who it
1: was, Mom? Uh, like have their name? His,
2: I name? I don't remember. Because no, I don't remember any
1: specific names. No, I don't remember any names. I remember yeah. what yeah. they look like, and I remember Sarah what they did, but I don't remember
6: their names. Yeah. By the way, when Fritz was talking about the big party house, and it was legendary. Apparently, oh, yeah. would... Um, okay. It was right behind the comedy store, and the comedians just took it over, and they would just party every night. Um the Russian comedian
3: um, Yakov
6: Smirnov had a story mm-hmm. at Robin Williams Memorial where he said that when he first got to L.A., Mitzi fell in love with him and said, I want you to work my club. And he said, well, I, I can't afford to live in L.A. And she said, well, you can live in the house. Um, and it was called the Crest Hill House. And as soon as he says Crest Hill, the whole crowd goes, ooh, and he and he said <laughs> he said, Yes, because uh, this Crest Hill house was a famous house because it's where all the comedians like to party. And but I'm not a party guy. And he explains, I'm actually an early guy. I this is Yakov Samirno saying, I like to go on stage early, I like to be in bed early, I like to get up early. And I would hear stories about the things that happened while I was sleeping, but I would never see it. All I know is that every morning I would get up and walk out of my bedroom at 7 o'clock in the morning and look around, and I wondered what this American obsession with powdered donuts was there's powder. There was there were like pictures off the wall on the table and there yeah. was powder all over the pictures and and he said and I would I would ask like what is it? How many donuts are you guys eating? And and, and they would just laugh at me and it was apparently a few months before anyone told him that it was cocaine. I so. mean to be yes. fair,
3: uh, about what th- almost thirty years ago now. A uh, restaurant, not a restaurant, but a, a location opened in Maple Grove nearby, and people were flocking, waiting three hours to get a Krispy Kreme donut yeah, yep. because it was the first Krispy Kreme in Minnesota, and yep. right. literally the entire Appreciate state... It. Was just so the powder, powdered donut thing is actually probably also true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It was probably half cocaine, half donut.
3: I will
6: say, yeah. Krispy Kreme donuts is pretty amazing.
1: And I haven't do to see them anymore? I do Yeah, I don't
7: there know, are, the close. There aren't any in the Midwest because it was the what was the Atkins diet that Atkins, killed them all. Oh the yeah, like anti-carb. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: Oh, God, really? the man diet. Yeah. Melissa They're... and I got a couple of like Sprite knockoff kind of sodas the other day, and mm, Sprout. Had decision. Sprout. <laughs> yes, bro. That's what it was called. And
0: I, I,
3: I look at the, um, the daily value of the, the, you know, the nutrient contents of this soda because um, her brother and mom are on uh, keto. keto. And so they're like, oh, well, there's probably a lot of carbs in that. And I'm like, yeah, there's probably a lot. And I look and it's, it's like a hundred something carbs for one A bottle of soda. It's like... Almost Whoa. half a pound of sugar. Wow! In <laughs> what this one soda? Wow. I'm like, what the hell? I didn't even ex- I didn't expect this. Yeah,
2: soda pretty much just is sugar water. Oh, no, this like
3: compared <laughs> to Coke even it's Breaking like double mix. what you'd see in Coke. It was okay. like, just uh, sugar is water. That?
1: Carbs so, is a oh. thing I never look at anything.
7: And because we were just talking about cocaine, when you said carbs in Coke, I was like, are there carbs in <laughs> <laughs> cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Really high carbs. So was like, I Surprise! I when <laughs> they cut it <laughs> with surprised. powdered sugar, there is. Yeah, yeah. there's probably some.
3: Residual cellulose in the uh, <laughs> cocaine from the coca leaves, sure. Yeah, why not? That's got, there's got to be a molecule or two of carb in there. And Craig, are Are you from Minnesota, correct? I'm from New York.
6: You're from New York. I'm but from New York. obviously
7: spent a lot of time in L.A.
6: Spent a lot of time in L.A., and my first roommate in New York was a comedian from St. Paul named Mitch Hedberg.
7: Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, there that's you go. Right. Wow. Small world. Yeah. Um,
6: Who, by the way, tomorrow will be gone for eighteen years. Tomorrow. Oh,
8: yeah. Wow. Eighteen already? years
6: Tomorrow will be eighteen oh, wow. years. But th- what was the question? Oh, supposed
7: to say like because going out. So I've been to the Comedy Store. I was out there with like Ruben Paul and Brett Ernst and oh, guys yeah. like that. And yeah. like running a comedy club here and then seeing how the Comedy Store operates is like just mind blowing because it's just all these big stars that tour across the country and then on a Wednesday night they all are in they all show and up and just show up mm-hmm. and do a show. Yeah. Like. Being in New York, you kind of had that same experience, I guess. But when you see comedians, like, was it weird to see comedians, like, come in from out of state, like, that are, like, so, like, we would have guys in Minnesota, they're like, I'm gonna go to LA, gonna find my big break. And then they go out there and they realize, like, oh, that's not how it works. No, it's tough. What is that dynamic of, like, out of towners coming in to, (laughs) well, it's interesting. Because you,
6: uh, you have to start all over again. I moved from, I started my comedy career in Seattle. And for five years, I really started getting some momentum, and I started. Uh, I realized I had opportunities going on in New York, so maybe I should pack my stuff up and, and move to New York to be closer to my opportunities, and I had to start all over again. And by the way, the club that started letting me perform, they, um, they gave me my first set on a, on a Tuesday night at 1.30 in the morning. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to go when the show starts at eight o'clock since I'm part of the show and I'm going to watch the entire five and a half hour show until it's time for me to go on because I want to watch stand up comedy because this is what I'm going to be a part of. So I go into this club called the Boston Comedy Club in the summer of 1998 and I watch Bill Burr. Followed by Dave Chappelle, damn. followed by uh, Dave Attell. These were indeed. all unknown comedians. Followed by Patrice O'Neill, who got in a fight with somebody in the crowd. Followed by <laughs> it was just like one killer after the other, after the other. And by the time my my spot came up, it was left. I just yeah. The, the <laughs> MC came up and said, "Are you Craig Gass? And I said, "Yeah." Um. Does anybody else want to go up? Because I can wait. I can wait. And it was 1.30 in the morning. And I'm just like, I, I'll wait. Because this is, it was the dumbest thing I could have done. But Do you have anyone terrible I can follow? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, after a while, you start to toughen up. And it just it just makes you better. And you find yourself in positions still where, if you're in New York or L.A., that someone might show up. I did a show, I had a spot at the comedy store at 11.30 at night. And I showed up about 11 o'clock. And I could feel this weirdness. As I was walking in the door like something was going on and I saw the door guy and I said hey how's it going he goes pretty good and I said yeah it's, it's who's up right now and he goes somebody important and I looked in it's Chris Rock Chris Rock just yeah. showed up and he's doing a set right. and I'm like holy shit and I'm watching Chris and the manager of the comedy store walks up and goes Craig So Chris Rock is up. And I go, yeah, I see that. That's awesome. And he goes, we don't know how long he's going to do. He could do, he could do, (laughs) he might do 15. You're not giving him the light. Yeah. He might do 15. He might do 90 minutes. But however much time he does, he's going to stop and say, that's it for me, please welcome Craig Gass. And I went, oh my god, what a terrible transition. That's (laughs) nerve-wracking. That's the worst transition I've, that's like walking Uh into a music club, and someone says, ladies and gentlemen, we have some friends that just wanted to get up on stage, please welcome the Rolling Stones. And then (laughs) Mick Jagger comes out with Keith Richards, and they're doing Start Me Up, and they're doing Satisfaction, you guys like that? Yeah, you wanna hear some more? Yeah, all right, please welcome. Corey Feldman. What? No, no, no! Stay, just stay on stage. Like uh, that's. But you, it makes you a better comedian yep. to have to um, uh, yeah. learn how to. Because by the time you end up on TV, you're not as phased because you've just right. gone through so many difficult moments that you you've learned how to transition from. And and how to how to deal with bad crowds and and having to deal with following super famous comedians or just being around super mm-hmm. famous comedians or just being around famous people, that you are a better comedian. You're just you're not as affected yeah. by those things. So it it makes you better. But um, but yeah, when you first get to New York or LA, man, it's it's uh, it's a tough hit when you. I mean, even now, if if the comedy store doesn't give me as many spots as I want, I'll be like, "You're only giving me one spot this week," and I'll look up and I'll be like, "Who's up there?" And I'm like, "Joe Rogan, Dave Chappelle." Like, oh, okay, all right, I'll I'll be there for the one night. I'll right. just uh, I'll come in and and do my my one little spot and um, yeah. But it it does. But man, when a comedian is bombing, oh, it's it's thrilling to watch. Like. Anytime a comedian is bombing, you'll usually hear one or two people laughing in the back of the room, and that's usually other comedians who are enjoying that person. Schadenfreude. Bombing. Tom, I think I told you about that legendary Dane Cook bombing story. I was
7: going to just ask you about Dane, if you've ever been there for one of his meltdowns and getting For out Dane of, Cook?
6: Yeah. Um, there That club that we all worked at in Uh, New York was called the Boston Comedy Club because the guy who owned it was from Boston, but it was located in Greenwich Village. And Dane Cook, I'm sorry if I've already told you this before, Tom, but uh, Dane had this amazing story about going on at one o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday night, and he's performing for six people. And one of the six people... Has all of his groceries on the table with him because
3: (laughs) just popping in on my way home from this grocery store. Well,
6: that's what happened is there's a barker in front of the club, which used to be Burt Kreischer, and there'd be a barker out in front who would just stop people walking by, like, hey, comedy show, comedy show, come on in. We've got a comedy show. And and one guy walked by and said, I I got my groceries. No, bring your groceries. Here, give me, I'll I'll help you. Give me the groceries. I'll, I'll help you. No cover. No cover. Just two drink minimum. Here, give me the groceries. And the door guy helped bring all the groceries and put them on the table. So Dane Cook is performing in front of six people at 1 o'clock in the morning, and they're exhausted and drunk. Nobody's laughing. One of the six audience members, who is wasted, gets up, starts stumbling over to the restroom, closes the door, and starts violently vomiting in the bathroom. Wow. And, and the noise is louder than Dane's amplification. Mm. Everyone just keeps hearing, and it goes on for about a minute, minute and a half, and then there's a long pause, and they all hear, and the guy opens the door and comes back over to his seat, and Dane said he was standing on the stage watching the guy sit down. He goes, are you, okay? <laughs> are you okay? Are you okay? Are you feeling all right? You doing okay? And the audience member sat down and said, oh, no, I just, I had some bad comedy. Oh! And everybody's high-fiving each other. And the guy with the groceries is throwing his groceries in the air going, ah! 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 And they just owned him. They just owned him. Oh. What yeah. a great story. That it, it makes you a better comedian.
0: And we are back with stretches picks. Who's winning this thing? The Kitties, the Pack, the Bears, or the Purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick?
2: I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning.
0: What? It's not a football team.
2: Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre. Sabre and Bryant doing whatever it takes. To keep you comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom.
0: What's that?
2: Visit SaberHeating.com.
6: I actually have an amazing story about opening for Norm McDonald in Vegas at the... Love Norm. I love Norm. Uh, I opened for him at the House of Blues in Las Vegas. And um, it's sold out, I think it's somewhere between 1,400 and 1,800 seats. It's got two balconies upstairs. And uh, I'm getting ready to go on stage when this guy walks up and goes are you craig and i said yeah and he goes hey i'm the host what do, what do you want me to say about you i go oh just a uh, uh king of queens family guy and he's like okay cool <sighs> i'm nervous and i said yeah it's a it's a big crowd man and he goes yeah it's my first time and i said absolutely not and i go first time in front of a big crowd and he goes no it's my first time ever doing stand-up and i go you've never done stand-up before and he goes no and i go how'd you get this gig and he goes i work here i'm, <laughs> a, I'm, a, I'm a bartender I, I always wanted to be a comedian always wanted to be a comedian and uh yeah i, I actually um, um when uh, we get the schedule ahead of time and uh so like six months ahead of time we see who's coming up and i'm, I'm a huge norm McDonald fan and i um i actually when i saw that he was coming i said man it's my favorite comedian can I open? Like I, I campaigned for it. Actually, a bunch of people that work here at House of Blues, or they all took the night off to to come support me. And I said, "But, but you haven't, like, you haven't rehearsed at all. You haven't like gone in front of an open mic." And he goes, "No, this is it. This is my first time." <laughs> and he went out and just fucking ate it. And oh. it, it was it was really rough. You could hear a pin drop. And he was doing this move. There's this move that an amateur comedian will do where. He goes into a punchline, and he physically leans his body into a punchline like da-da-da. And there's nothing there. Nobody responds. You can see sweat starting to build in his armpits. He's only been on stage for a few minutes. He's starting to stammer. And at one point, he just stopped and went, maybe you had to be there. And someone in the top row of the upper balcony, it sounded like, yelled out, maybe you're not funny <laughs> and the place finally explodes with laughter and I remember Norm McDonald I didn't realize was, even, was behind me and Norm tapped me on the shoulder and he goes man I fucking feel bad for this guy, this guy hey don't, don't make fun of him you know? don't, don't make fun of him I feel bad and I said alright so I walked out on stage and they go alright uh uh, you guys ready for your next comedian? Yes! All right. Well, you've seen him on uh, King of Queens, and you heard him on Family Guy. Please welcome Craig Gass. And I grabbed the mic. And out of respect to Norm, I didn't say anything, but I said, all right. And I looked at the crowd, and I went, Whew because you have to say
7: something you can't not address what we all just sat through we all
6: just sat there in total silence and by the way that's the same thing as following dave chappelle you can't just walk up on stage and go hi i'm craig like you have to go man i don't even want to be on stage right now i'm sorry like you have to acknowledge to the crowd like look i know what you're thinking because I just witnessed it too, and I'm I'm sorry that I'm the next guy up. Listen, my my girlfriend's even following him out in the parking lot. Like he, she wants to take a picture with him, so it's it's all part of the process, and and I love it, man. I I really really love it. And, and the cool thing about Tom's uh, history is that everyone that came through Minneapolis w- knew they had to come to Tom to. Uh, to let people know they were here. So he ended up having these amazing relationships with, with these comedians. So
3: he, he got like a slice of everybody's life, and mm-hmm. I, that's
6: fascinating to me. Those, I
3: was so lucky. When those comedians, like a huge comedian, um, when they come in these uh, comedy shows, are they getting paid when they just drop in, like, or are they just doing that for fun? Oh, they're doing that for fun. Oh, yeah. When they they stop into a comedy club, yeah.
6: Yeah,
7: and I would say even if like the store was like, "Here's your fifteen dollars, Dave. Thanks for showing up." Yeah, like like, I, "Ah, Netflix just paid me three billion. Like I don't need.
3: They don't need that. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's
0: um yeah they do it for the love of it. Tom, are you about to ask a question? No, I was just making an observation that that. uh, Well, actually, you know what I was just thinking, and this is a true story. I was literally sitting here thinking. You know, it's been 52 years, and I've never had to work a day because of this kind of job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, when you listen, you sit back and listen. I thought Fritz did a great job. I thought he was a great guest. He was really into it. He yep. was having a good time. He loved working with you. Yep. The whole thing. I mean, it's just really, really nice. So, yeah, I'm just sitting here thinking about, my God, am I lucky. No hmm. doubt about it. Right yeah i I've, it's it's funny you say that I've been thinking about that a lot
6: lately and i I think uh because tomorrow's an anniversary of of Mitch's passing I've been thinking about it a lot uh my mom just passed away a few months ago i've always always been aware of how lucky I am to do what I do, so I relate to what you're saying. I paid my mom's bills for twenty years uh before up until the time that she left and mm-hmm. and um Uh, So being able to do that was, uh, and make that money
0: by doing this is crazy to me. It's crazy. See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You make this great living... You show up for a few hours a day. I guess it's what four and a half hours a day now, something like that. Mm -hmm. You sit and you listen to great conversations, or you get involved and you're having fun. I spend the entire uh, afternoon with my family, which I love. Mm -hmm. And I'm one. I'd love to piss and moan about what a victim I am, but I just, I really can't. (laughs) And by the way, that was the first thing I wanted
6: to say when I came in here. I never even got around to this question: is the dynamic of doing a podcast with your family like what becomes off limits? Which is a ridiculous question to say, uh, hey, can you talk about something that you never want to talk about? <laughs> but, do, yes. but are there actual fights that have happened, uh, arguments or disagreements that have happened in the home that started right here on a podcast?
7: Catherine? We were actually just talking about uh, that, I think, yesterday.
6: I like that he goes... Catherine,
7: right? Well, she's got to answer. But like as somebody that's been on this show for for years now, there definitely are moments where not like a fight breaks out, but where I'm like, that's probably going to be a conversation.
8: Ooh.
0: <laughs>
7: so uh, Catherine,
6: yeah. you're the go-to. Yeah.
0: So Catherine,
7: you're the go-to.
6: I'm
2: sure, I'm sure there have. I can't think of any specific hmm. ones We've right never now.
0: Fights about it. We no. It just whenever you
2: well, you always. It's interesting. Because we all can read you so well, obviously. Oh, here we well, no, go. I'm just saying. It, it used to be when he was doing the morning show over at KQRS, you uh. could tell when things were not going well. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, really? And he really? he'd come onto the podcast with this just edge, and we're just okay. Let's just be quiet. No, oh. <laughs> don't want <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, wow. to release the kraken. Yeah, release the kraken. Just didn't want to. Yeah, I mean we all know when you get your little dander up. Well, to just but, run the other way, it's just it's just better for everybody. Everybody
0: does understand that that for ten years I watched a company destroy my show, right? Mm-hmm. And it got worse and worse and worse, and I got angrier and angrier and angrier. Mm. I was miserable but there. Those were for fun that
2: years. Ten years.
0: Mm-hmm. Ten years of mm-hmm. misery is what that was. Wow. And God bless them because they're. Sucking hind tit like there's no tomorrow. So good for
7: that. Okay, then. Sucking hind well,
0: tit. Yeah, that's an old farm. Yeah, that's in North a Minneapolis. real
2: old farm.
7: Add that to
0: the repertoire. <laughs> the repertoire. Oh my god. No, I mean one one thing that it's done is moving over because literally when I said, okay, look, I, I I agree, this has got to come to an end. Just I had a five-year contract and I just gave it back to him. I said I don't even want this contract. You guys can just void this contract. Good for you. I'll just I'm gonna get out of it. I can't do it anymore because you could never please anyone no matter what you did it was wrong right you know it's one of those deals so uh it took about i think it was 24 hours uh after i left that i heard from the hubbard where i am now doing that podcast in the morning is where my career started 52 years ago oh wow so i'm back where i was originally but the people are just happy they're happy to be there Hmm. Uh, the, the people that own the company are billionaires, so it's not like they don't have any debt at all, which is a huge part of this business now, yep. because radio debt is going to be a massive problem in the next two, three years. Yeah. I can guarantee you that. Oh, yeah. Lots of them are going to go under, no doubt about it. It's going to be sad to watch because I loved radio from the time I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a bitch to watch them all go under, but and then they won't all go under, but most of them will.
2: And the good thing is is that you got to have the yeah, you know, the heyday of the morning show. Oh yeah. And you really kind of had that piece of Americana. Mm-hmm. Oh,
6: absolutely. Yeah. That will
2: never be replicated.
6: Those nineties morning radio. shows, yeah, nothing bigger. Yeah. It's funny because I, I think it's also fascinating going back to the question I'm asking that I don't know of a of another podcast. That's an entire family uh, doing a podcast. Maybe there are, but um, I just think that the the conversation is so casual that I even find myself going, I don't know if I should have said that in front of everybody. So I wonder how often something, I wonder (laughs) how often something comes up in conversation in this family that's never been said out loud before that later at a dinner table. So you uh, didn't know that you were so fond of that or whatever. Um I just <laughs> nice. I just wonder if, if conversations have gotten that casual to where confessions have been made that you've never heard before. No, I don't mm. think so. No? I don't no. think so. No. Interesting. Interesting. We're Pretty very open.
3: conscious that we're talking to an audience <laughs> of, you know, how, yeah. God knows how many people. And also that you're talking in front of your dad. And that too. Right. But yeah. it's like I don't know. It's <laughs> like too. I'm not the kind of person to really talk about secrets of my own life or anyone else's really no you're not it's like most people really don't know anything about me because i just am like that Mm. so and i mean i think to an extent mom is as well not nearly as much as me yeah personal stuff yeah i've always keep that to yourself
2: yeah well and after having this public life for so many decades you just got to keep part of you know yourself away you got to keep him
6: going shit so yeah. what i'm learning is i'm the only one who's really fucking up here i'm, I'm the one who keeps <laughs> saying stuff yeah, out loud yeah. that yes. i'm there regretting right. that well, everybody handles episode, things actually.
2: differently a lot of people they're you know they're creating well especially comedians it's it's almost like their pain is you know for what some makes, comedians, yeah, for I a think.
3: lot of them yeah. yeah what makes them great
2: yeah. Exactly. They they work through their psychosis mm-hmm. with the mic.
6: There, there have been <laughs> yes. times that I've that I've said things out loud because I know they were funny moments in my life. That when people come back and ask more questions, I think, well, I don't really want to talk yeah. about it because right. I just wanted to let you know this one thing. I yeah. Uh, the first time yeah. I knew I needed help um, with my drinking and my drug use, I. Call. I had insurance for the first time, and they sent me to a rehab that was in my neighborhood. I, I was dating a girl at the time, living with a girl that lived in a very specific neighborhood of Seattle. And I called that rehab up. The guy picks up the phone. And I know something about the guy right away when he picks up the phone, but it's irrelevant to the conversation. And I am more honest with this stranger on the phone mm. than I've ever been to any of my friends because I really need help. And... Uh, At the end of all the intake questions, he says, "Okay, well, I think we're good. I do have one more question, Craig. You are a homosexual, right? And I said, I'm a what? (laughs) And he said, you're a homosexual. And I said, what does that have to do with anything? And he said, because you know we're a rehab for homosexuals. And I said, you you are? And he said... (laughs) Didn't your insurance tell you? And I said, no, they said you were the closest one to me. And my (laughs) girlfriend lived in a gay neighborhood of Seattle. And he said, well, we're not gay and lesbian exclusive, but we are gay and lesbian friendly. So are you a homosexual? And I said, no. And he said, do you have a problem with homosexuals? And I said, no. No. And he said, OK, we'll see you on Monday. And I checked into <laughs> gay rehab. <laughs> By the way, probably the best place I've ever been in my well, life, too. I assume too. it's fabulous. It was there amazing because I was so, I was really looking at myself for the first time and really looking at my actions and and really holding myself accountable to stuff. So I was very raw and I could not have met more sensitive people yeah. <laughs> in my life <laughs> The, the toughest person in that rehab was a lumberjack chick from Oregon, who had <laughs> choked out her partner in a drunken oh, black no. Yeah, she was a
7: tough. Yeah, she, she took a turn.
6: Yeah, she was yeah. a tough, tough chick, and um, and uh, but I I knew it was a funny story. And the first couple times I talked about it publicly, people would say, "Well, what was your drug of choice?" And they'd go, uh, well, I go, "Ah, well, just want to stick to the gay part of it, you know." <laughs> right. <just want> to... <laughs> there you you go. know, but um, yeah. So, and again, uh, I know we're getting past your. Um, oh my god, I'm talking too long. I'm sorry. That's
7: okay. Where you, so you know, the podcast we don't yeah, have. Who's it opening out. for you at uh, New Hope Cinema Grove? <laughs>
6: Uh, We have a couple people. Ron Lamprecht, I think it's in Uh, it. Ron is is doing the show with me. And I actually, there's someone who I didn't realize is living in Minneapolis now that said they'd like to come in and do a surprise set. And that person, uh, I don't know when they're going to show up, but but the show is a brand new show. It's the Where Have You Been Tour. And it's uh, all new material. And I can't wait. New Hope is one of my favorite rooms to do in the country. Um, doing this show is one of my favorite places to hang out. The Hyatt place where I'm staying is one of my favorite breakfasts. The Mall of America is my favorite place to watch people. Like, I, There's so many things about being here that I love. And um, and then that connection to Mitch, too. And, and I'm hoping that some of his family will come out this weekend. Oh, that'd be great. And, um, and I'm going to be talking about Mitch a lot tomorrow because tomorrow's
0: the day. So if you come out to the Thursday night show, you're going to hear a lot of stories about Mitch. So... You are amazing, sir. You got to come back soon. This once a year stuff's not enough. You got to come back more often.
6: Yeah, you know what? I want to. I want to hang out with you in Florida too. I want to. I want to. Oh yeah. I want to see. I don't know when I'm coming back, but uh, God, I would love to see you out in Florida as well. So, um, yeah. Thank what you for having nice me years? on. Thank, thanks for always being nice to me, Tom. It really means a lot to me.
0: Well, I thought I'd treat you like shit at the very end. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're <laughs> building up to it. All right. Exactly. Thanks a lot, pal. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Talk to you tomorrow. (coughs)